0: years ago General Reto Mladic the former Bosnian Serb commander was was convicted of genocide crimes against humanity and war crimes he was sentenced to life in prison from 1992 to 1995 the Hague Tribunal found that Mr Mladic was the chief military organiser of the campaign to drive Muslim Croats and other non-Serbs off their land and for the ethnic cleansing of Bosnia. You may remember the news, I do, it was big news in Britain. The deadliest year was 1992, when 45 Thousand people died, mainly civilians. You might remember the siege of Sarajevo, which went on for three years. And during this time, Mr. Miladik's forces overrun the United Nations enclave of Srebrenica, led to mass executions of nearly eight thousand men and boys, nearly all civilians. It was like genocide again in Urim. Five years ago, he was found guilty and he was sentenced to life in prison. How do you feel about that? What's your response to that sentence? There may be different responses here. I don't know. I don't know. Some might say, well, let the past be the past. It's 22 years ago. It happened there we've got to forget it yet most of us i guess i'm not taking any of you for granted would agree that justice must be done and be seen to be done punishment must be administered Vladik definitely not should get away shouldn't get away with ethnic genocide for him to walk free would be a travesty of justice. As for me, I was glad that he was caught. I still remember the massacres of 1992, that Holocaust repeat. I was sad, I was upset, but I want to tell you something. I was also angry. At bosnian serb cruelty i emphasize it i was angry at the cruelty going on and this morning i want to tell you i believe god also was angry at such news angry he hated what was going on in the 90s in the balkans and I note this this morning because as we look at our third metaphor, describing the death of Christ, Christ as sacrifice, we are going to be confronted with God's anger at injustice and sin, and His determination to see justice done. Of course, not all injustice is on genocidal scale but all injustice is unjust it's wrong and it has its consequences and that includes everything from cheating on one's taxes to speeding or driving while impaired with alcohol it includes violence perpetuated against the law and violence perpetuated by the law. A cursory look at the Sermon on the Mount reminds us that the affair, that it's not just the affair that's bad, but it's the imagination that often goes on before the affair happens is also bad and also part of that injustice that leads to so many family breakdowns it's not just murder and violence it's also hatred that prepares the way for murder and violence that is sinful at this time or i just finished actually um, this week i just finished reading again one of my favorite Old Testament prophets the prophecy of Amos He's great. Oh man, he's great. It's a must read if you want to know what social justice is for God. If you want to understand what's important to him in social justice issues, turn to the book of Amos, an 8th century prophet. In it, he lists the sins of various nations. He condemns Syria for its invasion of Gilead, an illegal invasion. We're all waiting at this time, aren't we? For maybe an illegal invasion of another country, Ukraine. He speaks about Gaza and condemns Gaza for involvement in trafficking communities of people. He condemns Tyre for some sin and also for the breaking of international treaties. He condemns Edom because of their lack of compassion. He condemns Amnon because of war crimes against civilians. He condemns Judah for idolatry. And his listeners israel think it's all wonderful until it comes to the end because he also points out their fault and their awful treatment of the poor sexual immorality and corruption in the judicial system in other words god hates injustice and for our purposes it's worth noting a rhetorical refrain in these first two chapters of Amos. It's worth you looking at them. And this this happens in, in chapter 1, verse 3, 6, 9, 11, 13, chapter 2, verse 1, 4, 6, etc. You can look it up yourself. For three sins, even for four, I will not turn back my wrath. God is angry at sin, injustice, In all its manifestations, God will not ignore sin. He is angered by injustice. And you know, so easily today, sin is nothing. Now, I accept there are different levels of evil, of course. Yet, whatever level of evil or wrongdoing or injustice we are associated with and do we break god's law and we are called to answer for those actions you're not called to answer for other people's actions each one of us will be answerable for our own actions and our own attitudes this includes the very best of us it includes even your greatest christian heroes When you think of your great Christian heroes who have encouraged you by their their biographies and autobiographies and sermons and you think they're next to perfect and you'd like to be with them, bang, something happens and you recognise they are not as perfect as you once thought. You see, humankind is willingly broken and rebellious. And God holds humankind responsible that's introduction and that is a context for us to understand the cross a sacrifice in this short series on the cross and and under the larger series of looking at our confession of faith we've seen firstly that the cross is an example to believers this is how we should live, we should live like Jesus, to be like Jesus, to be like Jesus, all I ask to be like him, A long life's journey from earth to glory, all I ask to be like him, that's important for us, we need to read the narrative of the gospel, and secondly last week, The cross speaks of the victory of Jesus over evil powers. And we need to speak of victory. We need to see victories. It's been a hard two years. And the pressures have been on. And some of us haven't just seen victories. We've seen disappointments and struggles. And some of us, even during that time, have seen victories as well. But we all need victory the way forward in the christian life is to see victory over yourself and over evil i tell you that's the best sermon you could ever do but now today we look at the cross as the answer to injustice and sin simply stated in the cross God justly provides forgiveness for our sins. It's because of the cross that we can be forgiven and escape God's just and righteous punishment for our assorted and miscellaneous wickednesses. And I want to take just three words. The first one I've already dealt with, so I'm going to worry about that too much. I just note it. The first word is punishment as regards punishment we already have seen our holy God demonstrates his wrath against injustice of all sorts so God does punish injustice I know that's not really popular today I understand that it's not popular in many churches you speak of the wrath of God and you've offended half of them <laughs> they don't like that But I always ask the question why don't you like it is it because the bible says that or because you don't like it and the reality is whatever you say is because they don't like it they want their own cuddly god I understand that I want a cuddly god I want a god who agrees with me in everything do you want that sort of god uh, Rosetta a god that you know just agrees with whatever you feel that would be nice wouldn't it Rosetta that would be wonderful but I tell you, if you had that God, you wouldn't have the right God. You'd have the wrong God. You wouldn't want the wrong God to say. I know you wouldn't. No, you wouldn't. A God who punishes sin. And let me say this. I truly believe. Let me just say this. I am glad that God is angry with sin. I'd be mad if he wasn't. If God just, oh well no, it's just genocide. Obviously not. that's, that's obvious, an obvious point. But the same goes with someone breaking up a family by having an affair. And God says, well, it's all right, it doesn't matter. Yes, it does. It does because so many people, even in this church, know what it's like to be in a broken family and how hard that is. How hard it is. God seeks to understand because he loves, he is angry with sin because he loves second word is substitution substitution actually do you know as i think back i never use sports illustrations i know those of you who love sport think we need to get another pastor to give a few sports illustrations or whatever but i i'm no good at it um, and i don't need be pretending and i know my dear wife says you know every now and again you should put a sport illustration in so darling i am now putting a sport illustration in is that okay thank you is that have i got points for that i want points brownie points for that okay so here it is it's not a good one but it'll do all right because i remember when i used to watch soccer and i i still watch rugby believe it or not but uh, when i used to watch soccer every now and again somebody would get injured and what would happen they'd have to go off and you get a substitution it's as simple as that substitution someone else comes on instead someone who can play instead of someone who can't play because they're out of it well this is what we've got this is the sort of metaphor the thought we're going to have as we look at the cross of christ jesus becomes a substitution and the best way to look at it is to use the word sacrifice sacrifice I will take one major metaphor under that it's a biblical one uh, and it's the story of the passover in the book of exodus and you can read that in your own time in exodus chapter 12. i can only introduce the theme the people are in bondage to pharaoh they're slaves you remember the story of the ten plagues when god is telling pharaoh let my people go and he's determined not to He's a despot who refuses to change and let these people go. He refuses and he is warned time and time again. God warns him, gives him ultimatums. And in the end, he said, if you don't do this, the firstborn in the country will die. He says, all right, all right, all right. And then he changes mind again. And in chapter 11 of Exodus, He is warned that the the nation would suffer if he didn't change his mind. If he stopped having this genocidal feeling towards the Jews who were under him. And God's wrath is manifested in that story. You can read it, as I said, in Exodus chapter 12. And you can see how the Passover is put together. I think it's Exodus 16, the top of my head so israel was given the institution of the passover and here's the institution let me remind you of the original one a lamb was to be taken for each family a lamb without defect that lamb was to be sacrificed and eaten the blood of the lamb was put on the doorposts of the houses where they ate the lamb on the night when the plague of judgment descended on egypt the judgment would not come upon the homes where the lamb was slain get the verse verse 13 the blood will be a sign for you on the houses where you are and when i see the blood i will pass over you no destructive plague will touch you when i strike egypt do you see the picture the wrath of god would be averted through the sacrifice of the lamb it's the clear picture in Exodus later in Israel's history this would turn itself into a sacrificial system those of you brave enough to go to the book of Leviticus do it and you'll see this sacrificial system. You know, if you're trying to read the Bible through (laughs) in one year and you know, it's, Genesis is great. Oh, Genesis, oh, it's really good. And then you come to Exodus and the first part is good. And then it gets into building a tabernacle. And if you're not mechanically minded, you're not really that interested. You know, when you get to Leviticus, you think, oh, I don't know where to go now. This is hard going. So the reading is sort of, Amen Blessings to my heart and off you go into your New Testament passage but the Levitical offerings are illustrations of sacrifice to take away the wrath of God from sin and that as I said changes into the sacrifices given in the temple by solomon's time all the way up to the time of jesus jesus himself goes to the passover so that's the stage now we say ah but is that really what jesus did listen to paul listen to him he couldn't be straighter okay 1 corinthians 5 verse 7b for christ our passover lamb has been sacrificed now, that's pretty straightforward you don't need to be a seminarian to understand that there's the passover sacrifice jesus is our passover lamb he is sacrificed so that we can be freed and we saw a little bit of the victory victory over pharaoh as well that victory christos Victor, that we can be freed and forgiven and set free remember john the baptist he sees jesus what does he say look the lamb of god who takes away the sin of the world when he saw that he wasn't just thinking of a nice fluffy lamb hopping and how lovely that would be he's thinking of the sacrifice the picture is taken on again in the book of Revelation, five: six. Then I saw a lamb looking as if it had been slain in the center of the throne. Verse nine, the elders sing, "You were worthy to take the scroll and to open its seals, because you were slain, and with your blood you purchased men from God, from every tribe and language and people and nation. That includes us all. That's good, that's good. That's good when we're all from different nations but we are bought by the blood of jesus shed on the cross as a sacrifice like the passover sacrifice jesus is the lamb who by the price of his death takes judgment instead of us he pays the price for our sin he takes the fine for our speeding he takes the blame for our wrong thoughts. He became sin for us. What? You've gone a step too far now, pastor. <laughs> became sin. That's what it says. Where does it say that? I, I, uh, Tyler, where does it say that? He became sin for us. No, no, well, you're in seminary. You're doing studies like that, you know, and I, and I haven't put it down, so I was just wondering where, where, where did you... It's what? First Corinthians. Is he right? Is he, is he right? What do you think, dear wife? Uh, is he right? Well, oh, yeah, they both agreed. Okay, right, right, right. You know, two seminarians, they're agreeing that it's somewhere in Corinthians, probably one Corinthians. It could be two Corinthians. But, it, you know, I, I think it's two Corinthians. Well, they're, they're looking now. But here's the point I want to make He became sin for us. Not any sin, but my sin. And your sin. In its ugliness in its darkness he became sin for us the perfect son of God took on our sin he is the lamb of God who takes on the sacrifice for us now we come to the reading it's all been read for us I'm literally only taking one verse the whole chapter is magnificent Isaiah 53 verse 5 That prophetic look into the future listen to how Jesus is described he was pierced for our transgressions he was crushed for our iniquities the punishment that brought us peace was upon him and by his wounds we are healed we are healed jesus the spotless lamb becomes our substitute he takes our sins upon himself he takes the blame i often use the illustration when you go out for a meal and you're with friends and it's always nice when someone says it's on me i love people like that they're nice people (laughs) it's on me don't worry it's on me oh was it free no it wasn't free someone had to pay for the meal but they substituted their credit card instead of mine so that my credit card remained the same and theirs were more in debt he takes the blame this is the central part of the doctrine of the cross and if i haven't proved it yet let me go further just to make sure okay Once a month here, the first, like many New England churches, we celebrate the Last Supper. Matthew 26, 28. Listen to what Jesus says about the Passover Supper. That's interesting. Passover Supper it is, okay? And he gives out the the wine. This is my blood of the covenant which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of of sins it's going to happen in a day and a half and he is telling them remember this it's all about this Christianity right at its center has Jesus Christ as a sacrifice so that we can be free and that we can be forgiven God will not overlook injustice Rather, he will pay the price for that injustice so that we can go free. And some people still argue. And they will say, yeah, but God is a God of love. That's why he paid. (laughs) That's a demonstration of his love. We demonstrate our love very often by how much we pay, by our time, by our emotions, by our sacrifice to others. You see, the cross is about punishing injustice, our injustice. Jesus taking on the blame for our sin. It shows us that God is not indifferent to sin. He is, he cares about sin. But what it shows us is that he cares because he loves us. He is not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. That's why that's why the cross it's based it's motivated by love. It comes out of a heart of the love of God. It's a display of the love of God the Father with God the Son. And i can prove it with the most well-known bible verse for god <laughs> here we go so loved the world isn't that good news this morning <laughs> for god so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whosoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life god hates sin yet he loves us so much more that he provides a way so that we can be free from sin and have forgiveness that's what it's about through sacrifice that one sacrifice on the cross we are able to gain eternal life that's what you call gospel and good news good news the cross is the ultimate display of god's love towards this planet not the display of his hatred of humanity as some people say not it's the absolute opposite opposite he so loved and i think the greek can be read in two ways he so loved the world in the sense that in this way he loved the world some people say well he loved the world so much that and other people will say, "No, no. He loved the world in this way. This is how we loved the world. In that he gave, this is the demonstration of his love. This is how we love. So much more. And now comes a really good part. I started, you know, with Bosnia in 1995. probably not the best start in the world, but it's a true start. But I can end with this word. Whosoever Whosoever believes in him shall not perish, but have everlasting life. That includes all of you at home who are watching. Those of you who may have tuned in and you've never heard of East Baptist before, but for some reason you've tuned in this morning is our message at East Baptist Church: whosoever believes in him shall not perish, and that means you. you will not perish, you will not pay the price for the sin, you deserve to pay the price, but you don't need to because Jesus has paid it, and you, you by believing, are forgiven and can have eternal life. and if you think this is fundamentalist preaching old-fashioned Well, it is old-fashioned not all old-fashioned is bad especially when it's good and you're forgiven and you can walk away healed and transformed and that an eternal life of course of course this is not a social club this is not somewhere we come and have a little sing song and a cup of tea afterwards we are people who believe in eternal life, in a God who is there, in a Jesus who is God's son and who loved us from eternity and displayed it in his son. That's what we believe. This is not nonsense. I'm not an idiot, although at times many people have said I'm an idiot and lots of different things, but not on this. I'm not even a religious lunatic. I just believe simply what God has said, that there is hope in him, whoever you are, whatever your age, whatever your background, whatever you've done, and I'm sure some of you have done awful things. As I look at your mama, right, you know, some of you have really done some awful things, I'm sure. All right. And some of you may not even know you've done some awful things, that's even worse, but that's besides the point. I know I've done some pretty awful things in my life. But my hope is in Christ. The Lamb of God takes away the sin of the world. And I still believe that. I still believe it. Call me what you like. Call me your fash. I don't care. I don't care. Actually, I like it. <laughs> I like it as normal, Because he died for me. I'm not ashamed of the gospel of God because it's the power of God and to salvation to everyone who believes. To the Jew and to the Gentile. If you haven't come and said, Lord, forgive me, I believe. Do it now. Do it now back home. Do it now. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, thank you that the cross is an example and we fail, we know thank you that the cross is a victory over the evil one and thank you that the cross is a sacrifice for our sin that we may walk free that we might know that we have life eternal not because of ourselves of our goodness not because we get away with it not because god is soft because God loved us and paid the price for us. Lord Jesus, we ask you anew into our hearts. Help us believe with all our hearts that you were able to do this. We turn away from our sins and turn ourselves to you, believing in what you said. In Jesus' name, amen.